in the cul de sac, contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record, hope got another surface. It's two out of 24 hours of the day. Jesus. Stuffing his face. It's like dumping shit down his cold. Dude, I only had I had a salad for lunch, man. I'm hungry. <laughs> what was that you just ate? <laughs> uh, cauliflower chips. Oh, sounds healthy. And some guacamole. Ah, good shit. Oh, oh. Ah, yeah. So, what color are your poops these days? <laughs> all sorts of color. A lot of, <coughs> lot of, uh, lot of earth tones. Tones. Hey, you know what? Though? It comes out easy, though, don't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy? Yeah. Dude, I'm telling man. you, I can tell the difference between, so you know when I do my clean eating during the weekday and then my fat boy eating on the weekends, I can tell the difference between a Friday and a fucking Monday just by that first, like, 10 minutes in the morning. If I go, yeah. like, Monday morning, dude, it is, like, fucking brain aneurysm. Friday, that shit's coming out like fucking Jiffy Lube. Really? See, yeah, so it's like, dude, it's like, you, yeah, no, I can tell the difference, too. Like, dude, yep. the Monday morning one, it's like, man, I had an MRE on Friday, and, <laughs> like, this one's going to take some effort. I just don't it's like, have a problem with that. <clears throat> well, that's the thing. You're probably one of the normal people. Like, you always, you know, heard about when you were younger, oh, you should be going, you know, twice a day, regular intervals, and this and that, and, <laughs> hey, don't push. And, yeah, that was fucking never me, man. Oh, dude. That shit was always a struggle. Now, I, I misled you guys. I'm like, I don't have a problem with that, thinking, like, you know, uh, putting across, like, I, I'm, I'm normal or something. It, it's not that. It's it's <laughs> a, like it's too easy. You know, like, it's so easy that it's like, it's in the morning, man. Now we're talking about bowel movements, and YouTube is going to love this shit. So in the morning, it's like I get up, and what wakes me up is I got to take a dump. And it's like, it's not like I got to take a dump and it's going to be solid. It's like, I'm going to take a dump and I got to go now, you know? But so you I chew wake too, up, though, right? Yeah, but that's not yeah. the reason. Well, I mean, it's got a large part to do with, with bowel movement. Maybe. But, so I take like two dumps in the morning within like 30 minutes of each other. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, when, when people are saying you got to take two dumps a day and that's normal. Yeah, they don't, they're not talking about like within 30 minutes of each other. <laughs> my shit's not normal, dude. It's not. Eating regular, my stuff's pretty regular, and I'm good to go. What I do notice, though, and I think we actually <laughs> talked about this before, it's like when when I eat normal, like the regular food or, or uh, the vegan food or whatever, dude, when it's time to go, it's time to go. There is no fucking, hey, let me wait a minute. Let me finish sending this email. Let me, let me finish typing this fucking sentence. It's like your ass better be in route right now. See, I, I I came up every summer, uh, going to the to my granddad's ranch, you know, and there there's cattle and horses out there, and I imagine, you know, you get to see cattle and horses poop all the time, you know, and horses poop I imagine is a lot like Rogers, it's just like it comes out, and it's like grass, it's like it's like <laughs> poop. <laughs> hey, it's at like least it doesn't grass. stink. It look it looks it looks healthy though, it looks healthy, but it's like poopy grass. It's like. It's like, wow, it looks healthy. It's a horse, but I imagine God, Ro- I imagine it. your dumps are probably pretty healthy, Roger. Like so Fridays are. Come Monday, they're not. Yeah. How long does that they, take to clear up, though? 
Uh, normally by like Tuesday morning, I'm back to normal. Monday's a struggle. Though. I'm like, for real, Monday is like, wow, you, I, I can actually, you know, you feel it in your body. And then by Monday evening, Tuesday morning, because normally I try not to eat uh, too early anyway. So I try to stop eating at, <laughs> at six at night. And then I don't eat till like 10 o'clock in the morning, 1030 in the morning. <laughs> you see that shit? <laughs> and blow it up. <laughs> This is so bad. We're talking about bowel movements. For our YouTube viewers out there, we were just making note that uh, Josh is again stuffing his face when I take a picture of my setup here. It's uh, you know what I I don't know, man. Our audience, if you look at the if you look at the numbers, right? If you look at the numbers of who's listening, I mean, we have a lot of older listeners. We really do. So they might get a kick out of this. And they, be, you know room. what, they probably agree. They'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, you eat right. You know, you get some veggies and some broccoli and cauliflower chips in there. You're shitting right for, you know, a couple days. Cauliflower chips are good, man. You guys got to check them out. Have you done the uh, cauliflower crusted pizza? Yeah, that's no, good stuff. Pretty legit. Yeah, they yeah. make it like thin crust. So it's, uh, I mean, like vegan cheese sucks ass and it's actually worse for you. But uh, it's kind of like, Is you it? might as well just eat Cheese Whiz or whatever. But with the... Um, I'll do like a veggie pizza with the uh, cauliflower crust. Dude, if you get thin crust, you can't fucking tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like these chips, if you would have gave them to me and, and you know, I didn't know they were cauliflower chips, I wouldn't know. Like a flat, I wouldn't know. They're, they're, they're pretty good. Have you done the Impossible Whopper yet? No. Get an Impossible Whopper. Dude, I haven't eaten fast food in... Well, I did have Chick Fil A about a week and a half ago. Um, it's not fast food. Whatever. Other than that, other than that man, not. I have it. Like I have it. I haven't had fast food. Like I've eaten pretty clean since I've been down here in Florida. Get you an um, Impossible Whopper. You can even pull the bun off of it if you want to. It's pretty damn good, considering what your alternative. Now, granted, if you do it like go full scale, it's probably equal because by the time you put the pound of mayonnaise and all that other shit they put on there. But, like, if you just do it with, like, the lettuce, you know, onion, tomato, whatever the, you want to add to it, and then, like, without the bun, it's it's pretty legit. It's pretty hard to tell the difference. What is it made out of? Uh, it's the it's the plant-based stuff, dude. They do, like, soy oh, and a little no. bit of black bean. and nope. Yeah, see, there you go. Just not, just, no, no, no. You should try it. You'd be amazed. No, dude. I don't do fake meat. The only thing they haven't come a long way with yet is the cheese. The cheese is still still struggling, but the nope. uh, everything else, man's legit. Nope, not eating fake cheese. Not eating fake meat. Not happening. You've eaten fake cheese. Yeah, I've eaten <laughs> fake cheese, <laughs> but I ate it because I didn't have anything else. Now I have choices. Uh, I have choices now. I can go. Buy, I can like, go. Buy like the you never had any cheese whiz as a kid. That shit ain't yeah. real. That yes. shit ain't real. Velveeta. Dude, what <laughs> yeah. is Velveeta? I mean, I what know. is it? I mean, for but real. We're not, talking to, we're not talking about that, right? We're talking about, you know, when you were a kid or you were deployed or something, it was just a lack of options. Now I have a choice. I have the ability <laughs> to go to the grocery store That's... and go to, you know, I, I don't go to where they keep the sliced cheese, right? I don't go to where they keep the government cheese. I go to the part of the store over by the produce section where they have all the so, bougie cheeses, and that's where I so get my cheese. I've always heard, like, if if uh, if you want to eat healthy, right, you go to the grocery store. You don't go down any of the aisles. You stay on the outside. You stay on the outside, and you'll be good. That's what I've yep. always heard. 
Uh, you yeah, know, not always. Meat, I've, milk, vegetables, right? On the outside, and then meat, everything milk, on the inside is all your... Yeah, yeah. And yeah. liquor. But almost everything, is, yeah, well, yeah. Almost everything is refrigerated on the outside, or at least climate-controlled, you know, vegetables, right. things like that, on the outside. Yeah. <clears throat> all the processed foods in the center of the grocery store. So craft yeah. Foods, this is from uh, Wikipedia, lists Velveeta's ingredients as milk, water, whey, milk protein concentrate, milk fat, whey protein concentrate, sodium phosphate, and 2% or less of salt, calcium, phosphate, <laughs> lactic acid, sorbic acid, sodium citrate, sodium alginate, enzymes, annatto, and cheese culture. <clears throat> yeah. so, so tonight was my cheat night, right? Cheat night. <laughs> And uh, I told you guys I got an air fryer. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, cooking, yeah. man. <laughs> so basically, so far, I've, I've just used it to keep stuff warm, just to see how it works, you know, better than the oven. But tonight, I, I typed into Google. <laughs> this, is my, this is my Google search. Totino's an air fryer, how long? <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, Totino's pizza. And I'm telling you, dude. Oh God, I don't. I, I'm not trying to be like a food snob. I'm not. I really am not, because Roger like takes that to another level. But me, it's like ah, you know, whatever. American. But dude, after you eat Totino's pizza, I feel like shit, dude. I do not feel well. I don't feel good. I ate that stuff you know, like three hours about- ago, and I don't feel good, man. It, it's it's like- less about being a food snob versus getting quality for what you pay for. That's that's well, yeah, like my Totino's goal. is like a dollar nineteen. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you got a dollar nineteen. That's the quality <laughs> you're paying for. That's 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 yeah. I that's guess. right up there with the taquitos, man. Every now and then I get hungry. I go here to this the speedway. The fucking taquitos are the shit. You get like yeah, five of them for a dollar. And yeah. you you know, I always get like the jalapeno tornado. Oh, and you tornadoes. get like two or three. Yeah. You get like two oh. or three of those, dude. You get about seventeen minutes. Maybe. Oh. So a tornado, like you get two tornadoes, right? That's going to be what four bucks, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe cheaper. Maybe, maybe cheaper. So, what do you choose instead of a tornado? Where you're going to get like, you're going to feel good when you eat it. It's like, oh, this tastes good. This tastes good. But you're not going to feel like shit, you know, twenty minutes later. I mean, what do you get? What's what's the what's the happy medium there? That's the problem is, one, it's convenience, and two, if like what, what I'm on, the biggest thing is you're really limited to a lot of carbs, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, if you if you cut out meat during the weekday, I mean, dude, there's only like so many legumes and fucking black beans that you can eat. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you can eat, eat potatoes. Eggs. I, you I eat do. Uh, it just kind of depends on um, what I'm fixing, whatever. I, I do try to limit it. Like back in the day, I would eat two eggs every day. No, I'll do like an egg every, you know, it just depends on what I'm fixing or whatever. If I'm doing like, a, like this morning I had a, uh, uh, like a stir fried veggie and rice bowl. So I'll do a egg over easy and throw it on top and, you know, break the yolk or whatever. But it's just, it ends up being, you know, unless you're just going straight vegetables all the time, it ends up being pretty carb heavy, uh, because you're going to, you know, you need some of the brown rice and white rice and potatoes just to kind of fill you up. So what's the answer to my question then? I mean, it's like, you know, you got four bucks, you can or three fifty. You go to the store, you know, the the convenience store, you get a three fifty, you know, a couple of tornadoes. That's gonna satisfy you. It tastes good, but like mm-hmm. twenty minutes later you feel like shit. So what do you get instead? 
I mean, like, like that's the question. It's like, what, what will satisfy you like that? That's the problem. Man. You go there, there, isn't, there, there isn't anything. That's why the convenience peanuts? stores exist. What about peanuts? Like peanuts, nah. cashews, yeah. satisfying. Like yeah, it's not satisfying. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not uh-huh. like two tornadoes, man. No. That's right up there with yeah. like the. That's right up there with like the uh, microwavable burritos. I always keep like fifteen uh. or twenty of those. In the freezer as well. I mean, you throw two of those, <laughs> you throw two of those bad boys in there on a Friday night. It's legit. Oh, it's it, God. Those tornadoes, man. That that's some deadly stuff, man. They're I so good. How America is so fat. Oh, they're no, so good. Be, be an adult and go to the grocery store and buy them in bulk, <laughs> and then you always have them. Now my son does that. Well, he doesn't do it. He tells my wife to do it but she'll go buy like the big box it's got like 40 of them in it or whatever and dude he'll throw like eight of them bitches in the microwave <laughs> 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 dude, he'll eat like almost... seven <laughs> I'm like dad here you got the last one i can't eat it how old is he how old is he oh, dude he's 18 so that dude can oh, you know. oh that guy's I a miss machine. those days like he's 18 man he's 18 and he works out and he runs so his metabolism dude. is just like yeah you know Dude, don't you yeah. miss that? You you could eat two bags of Doritos and go to the gym. And he and doesn't just have drink a beer. Good workout. Oh. I mean, he doesn't drink beer or any of that stuff. So like, <laughs> yeah, he's killing it, man. <laughs> Enjoy yeah. it while he can. Those days, yeah, those days are over. One hundred percent. I ate two bags of Doritos or like eight. <laughs> well, I told I told you what happened when I ate those chicken sandwiches. Imagine if I ate like six tornadoes. <laughs> you should do that. We should do that on a Saturday. Oh God! We'll YouTube it, <laughs> dude. The wife makes taquitos, homemade taquitos. She puts them all together and puts them in the pan with just a little bit of uh, olive oil. Fries those bad boys. Oh, that shit's legit. awesome. But uh, no, yeah, I do. I, only... uh, I mean, I guess it's healthy. I mean, what's like peanut oil, right? I mean, like you, if you fry like, because I'll take yeah. potatoes and cut them up, right, and fry them in potato oil. Or yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's healthy, right? Or peanut oil? Sorry. Right. Yeah, peanut oil, it's it's fine. The uh, when pe- most people when they fry their turkeys, you know, for Thanksgiving or Christmas yeah. or whatever, they're yeah. frying them in peanut oil. That's just expensive. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah they they're not giving it away for sure. Like twenty dollars a damn jug of however big it is. Yeah, okay, I gotta go get a cup of coffee. You gotta go get a cup of coffee. Go get your cup of coffee. What are you waiting on? I'll get my cup of coffee when I'm good and goddamn right. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That yeah, stuff man. was nuts, man, when he was talking about sending the dogs back. Holy smokes. Like, no kidding, <laughs> there would be two more, two new feral dogs in Slovenia. <laughs> you know, oh, that would be happening. Dude. Like, hey, man, That's, big bowl yeah, of food man. outside and be like, peace out, dude. I wish you the best of luck. Man. Well, I mean, didn't back in the day, didn't you used to be able to, like, just throw them. I mean, I know he's not flying back right now. They were but, I mean, you back, used to be man. able just to check them in, right? Yep. That's what I check thought. Back. They just, as long as they're under the weight or whatever. And I think you yeah. paid extra, like a hundred bucks or hundred fifty yeah, bucks. Yeah, you had to you had to pay extra, but you could show up at the airport day of flight and yeah, you with know, the you crate to the counter. Yeah, you go up to the counter with the rest of your bags and be like, "I got to check these bags at my dog," and you're, you know, whip. That was it. I so want to take my hundred and fifty pound Malamute on a plane. As an uh, emotional support animal, dude. They so I mean, dogs are still good. They cut down on a lot of that stuff, um, you know, because people were 
dude, people had like a peacock on a plane. (laughs) Yeah. This is my emotional support animal. You're like, stop. Stop And there's still no like governing body of that, is there? Nope. Like there is no like like service animals. There is no like federally recognized certification or whatever. Nope. Not that I know of. Anyway, somebody listening might, might might know, you know, be better educated on it, but I don't think there is. Um, like, it's, you know, it's whatever you show up with and be like, this is my emotional support animal. And it's like, well, that's your emotional support animal. Okay. You know, it's it's absolutely 100% ridiculous. It's gotten completely out of control, you know, like with, I think, you know, service dogs. I mean, granted, you can tell, right? Because I've seen people with right. service dogs. And they're like, this is my service dog. And you're like, that dog is not disciplined at all. Like, it's jumping on other people. Like, it's chewing on things as it goes by. Yeah, like, that's not, that is not a trained service dog. I know you're, you're, you're full of shit. Um, so, big chief. I like it. Trying something new tonight with the note taking. Just, just the tip? Oh, (laughs) note taking. Okay. Big chief pencil (laughs) tablet. Racist. Remember these? You know yeah, how much these used to cost back in the day? They were like five cents like, for yeah, you know, twenty like a dime. of them. Dime. These were like five bucks a thing. It's because it's but it's I racist. But I had to have my big chief, dude. They're it hard to racist. get. I mean, we we talked about this before when I before I got my little artist book here. I mean, just to find a notebook that's not lined, it, dude, it's impossible. So sketchbooks, man. I've got They're like six of them. They're conditioning, folks. They want you to follow the rules, stay within the lines. I'm telling you, Jesus. So, what are we talking about tonight? Holy cow! A lot of shit. Oof. I've done very little research. Yeah, you'd be on par <sighs> with Josh. Yeah. That's right. I wing it, baby. Wing it. You need to number one, Josh. Okay, number one. You need to lean a little <laughs> closer to the mic. When you're talking. Like this close? Oh, yes. A little bit closer. <laughs> no, no, no. Not not that you... That, but, but, yeah. Like from like where this? we... Yes, yes. Okay. Because as I'm listening to it, have you listened to the other podcast? Hold it up a little I, bit higher. So I listened to the last one. Perfect. Yeah, it uh, sounds like yeah, you're no, a little bit like... The last one... I, it, yeah, no, 100%. The last one, did the sound was off on, it, on mine. I was like, ooh. But, well, uh, it's because all you got to do is get closer, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm all fucked well, up. Well, I mean, but. I can't get much closer unless I hunch over and, you know, I'm like this. And then you start sounding creepy. Right. <laughs> Come here and get in a van. Hey, did you see, talking about creepy, you remember that show where it had like all the, uh, they had like 20 kids and they were, you know, this real religious family. And I think the dad was like a pastor or something. Um, but uh, it was on TV. It was on TV for know, a couple of years, years or whatever. But uh, yeah, one of the guys, one of the like kids, just got arrested for like child pornography. Oh yeah, yeah. So I didn't know um, who he was. I saw the dude and I saw the whatever, but I, I didn't know who he was. I didn't recognize him. They were on some. Yeah, they were on some like TV, you know some TV show, reality TV show about their family because they knew they had like it was like nineteen kids. Dude, it's right up 19. there with Jarrett. Jarrett, the subway guy. You know, get yeah. these guys money, dude. I don't know what to do with yeah. it. Hey, man. Man. Hey, man. You look at, like, okay, 
I, I don't know. Have we talked about this on the podcast? All these these super rich folks like, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy that supposedly killed himself. Uh, oh, Epstein? Epstein. Epstein, right? Epstein and all these rich folks, you know, it's like, you know, why are they into, you know, like raping well, hold on. kids? Let's, 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 let's roll that in the podcast. That's a great, great start. Oh. Good day and welcome to another episode of Culper's Canteen Cup. Uh, I want to welcome Luke back. Uh, welcome Josh back. I'm back from vacation. Uh, again, sh- big shout out to Carlton Zeus for using his uh, intro music. For those <laughs> that were watching the uh, the YouTube version before, we were getting ready to get into some serious thought here about uh, rich people and, and what they do. So, Luke, uh, you were talking about Epstein and killing himself. Yeah. and Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know... I quit the podcast for like 48 hours <laughs> because you get a bunch of high octane dudes, you know, uh, you know, Josh says Americans are mainly peas and they're not high octane. And that's, that's true for the, you know, majority of Americans aren't, but these three guys here on Culper's Cantica, we are high octane. And when we get sensitive, I'm talking about myself, of course. When I get sensitive, I go high octane sensitive. So yeah, I quit the podcast for a couple of days. And I was, I was mf and Josh and Roger, and I was like, ah, you guys suck. But I'm back. I'm back. These guys are my boys. So yeah, we were talking about, uh, you know, you, you see this stuff, you know, with Epstein and you know all these, you know, uh, you know PizzaGate stuff, and you know you see the uh, the, the the things coming out about these, you know high profile people who are pedophiles basically. And I have a a theory on why, you know, super rich people like billionaires uh go down the pedophile route. And wow, man, we're starting this one off with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> so, my theory on the pedophile thing with billionaires and people who have a lot of money is that, you know, when you have that much money, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And and the sky's the limit, right? So you can buy anything. You can do anything. You can jet off and you can go to the base camp of Everest and you can go to, you know, Tokyo and live the life. You can go to Thailand. But that gets boring, right? You have to start pushing the limits. And the only way to push the limits is to do things that are against the law and do things that are extremely taboo that you have to pay for to do. And I believe that these people get so uh, wrapped up in their own power and everything. It's like, I can buy anything I want. I'm going to buy the most taboo thing ever, and that's pedophilia. I I really believe that. I think that's why Epstein made all his money. Uh, I'm not going to get into whether he killed himself or not, which he didn't, by the way. But, uh, yeah, he was catering to people who were pushing that envelope. Um, that that's my theory. They they can buy anything they want, so they buy the most taboo thing ever, and that's pedo- pedophilia. I don't know, man. Wow, that's a bad intro to a show. God, Josh, help me out here, bro. Luke needs help from those guys. So the uh, I dude, the whole yeah, I you know I I don't have a I don't have a better explanation, you know, but but folks do have, and you know. It, 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 how Epstein apparently had how much money? He was worth how much? Well, I mean, it was hundreds and hundreds of millions. I mean, the dude owned his yeah. own island, yeah. right? Um, and you know, 
I, he, here's what I want to know. So speaking of, so you know, along those lines, did you see the uh, photo they put out today of uh, Giselle, Jazine, whatever her name is, his uh, his cohort? No, her, what's up? In a photo, she's got a big black eye uh, in her in her laser prism photo, and it was like, hey, look, check it out. Most people don't give themselves black eyes. Um, you know, I've had some people be like, oh, I ran into a door or something. No, you didn't. You're lying. Somebody, somebody punched you in the face. And so, dude, something happens to her and she dies. Again, I'm not, not black helicopter guy, but it's really hard not to be a black well, helicopter a, guy. There's a few things that have like kind of disappeared from the news. And one of them is the Jelaine Maxwell thing. Jelaine Maxwell. And, you know, yeah. And uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Cuomo, dude. What happened with Cuomo? Roger, dude, what happened with Cuomo, man? I mean, what the hell? We were talking about him like three episodes ago, man. That guy, I don't think he's graced a headline over the past month. They've gone to talking about, which which is what this episode was going to be about, Biden's first 100 days. Because you had the Cuomo thing, right? <clears throat> and then you had... The border thing uh, that was, you know, turned into a crisis. And I mean, when was the last time you heard about the border? Even from your your right leaning news, like your Fox News and OAN and, and Newsmax, uh, you didn't even hear about the border anymore. Now everything's just gone on to Biden's hundred days. But back to your uh, whole pedophilia thing. So I gurgled it, and this guy here, dude. I tell you what, there's some like serious justification going on here because he's like broke it down to say so. so it, you know, you put it in there and. Why are some mega rich people pedophiles? I won't bore you with all the thing, but he's like, most of the rich people are self-made. Usually a self-made guy like me has some stages in life. This guy has a nine-figure salary, and he breaks it down to stages. And stage one, school years, younger school years, stage two, high school, stage three, university, and then you know, stage four is when you like you finally hit it big, right? And and sometimes again, university doesn't mean that they necessarily completed university. I mean, you have like your your Bill Gates and these guys that dropped out, but just you know, theoretically, like your college freshman year, sophomore year, whatever. What it all boils down to, this guy anyway, in his mind, is that he was pushed really hard uh, during his school years, high school years, was bullied a little bit, no girlfriends, a uh, little bit of a nerd. Uh, so those are the years that he missed out on, and so that's what they go back to relive. And there is a connection here I want to make, but it's the same but different. But there is a piece there that where everybody else has matured, uh, like socially, these guys haven't. And so when you become the 25, 26, 28, 30-year-old where you should be at the pubs and, you know, getting drunk with other chicks your age and this and that, you know, mentally these cats are still set back when they were like 13, right? And it's funny because the uh, – I've said this previously with other friends, the Asian culture, for those that have been to to Korea, uh, is very similar to that, where the men do not mature uh, as fast as the women, or, uh, and I I mean socially mature, right? Uh, Or even at the same rate that American men do. And so it's, you know, it's not until a Korean male uh, hits his 30s to where he hits like the young adult, like which he would say, okay, what we would be at at 18, 19, 20 years old. Now, this guy is a little weird because it's... uh, his preference tends to be like really young. I could see if it was like, uh, because there's, there is some like morality that pops in here. Like, Hey, I'm into 19 year olds or 20 year olds or whatever. They're legal. Right. He is well younger than that. So that there, you're just sick in the head and, and whatever. But I mean, this guy has got like, 
I mean, he's got to have 40 steps here on like the stages of life and, and what he's done. to. What that tells me, though, is that he is going out of his way to justify why he is what he is uh, to say, OK, I am I am in the right because of this. You know, I'm not just a, a dirty old pedophile or or whatever. And no, that's not a lot of Asian hate from Roger. So it's <laughs> <laughs> hashtag so, protect me. <laughs> but so uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Roger. Sorry. No, go ahead. You had a question. I don't have a question. I just got I got a point. And this wow, this episode, man. The, you know, Culper's Canteed Cup. We we sometimes go into some uncharted territory. I did not expect to go into this tonight, but I'll go ahead and say it. You know, back in the day, back in the day, I was in college. You know, I was in college, and I met my wife in college. And you know, she's the same age as me. She's actually a year older than me, so she's she's robbing the cradle with me. But back in the day, you know, I'm looking at my wife walking through the rec center with her, you know, spandex on and everything. And I'm like, that is the hottest girl I will ever see in my life, right? I'm 20 years old. She's 21. And I'm like, that's the pinnacle of like sexual attraction for me. It will never get any better than that. And at the time I was thinking, I don't care if I'm like 40 years old, that's going to be the hottest thing ever. But you know, I go back to Texas Tech, and, and, and I, I look at these girls walking around that they're, they're, they're the same age as my wife was back then, and I'm like, these are just girls. They're not attractive to me at all. And I find my wife extremely attractive, right? And we'll just keep it with my wife. I find her very attractive at her age. And I'm like, wow, dude, I can't imagine thinking that someone 15 years younger than her is super attractive. It's like my age. So what I'm saying is... What I find sexually attractive is something that is at my age, which is late 40s. Now, here's the question to you two guys and the rest of the canteeners out there. When does that stop? <laughs> when does that stop? When I'm 70 years old, am I be like, dude, these, these 70-year-old grandmas, these 18-year-old grandmas <laughs> rolling around in there in their walkers, dude, that's, that's the stuff, man. I don't want those 40-year-old chicks. I want these girls in their walkers. It's a weird thing. So I don't understand. I, I truly don't understand, you know, the, the younger chick thing. I don't get that, man. I'm a, I'm a MILF guy. I guess I'll be a GILF guy someday, but you know, I don't know. It, it's a weird thing with me. I don't. I don't understand the pedophilia. I don't understand the, you know, barely legal. I don't understand. I don't. I don't get that, because as I've matured, I find women my own age the most attractive. But I guess the question is, when does that stop? Well, you're supposed 50, to, right? I mean, that's 60, why your body seventy. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, that's why your body decreases its testosterone level and your estrogen levels go up. And they say it's it's meant, you know, across the animal kingdom, it keeps the, you know, once you father kids or, you know, hyenas or cats or whatever the hell animal it is, it keeps them from just running off and, you know, they tend to stay, you know, with the packer or whatever. So, you know, idea, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, it's hopefully it continues on. I think eventually you get to where you're. You know, libido you just is just non-existent. Yeah, and at that point, it's just like, dude, <laughs> it's like if I can just wake up in the morning and like take a leak without shitting myself, that's a win. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, and I'm the same way, dude. I mean, you look at it now, and, and I remember you know, you're 18, 19, like, oh man, I I get it. I see why these 45 year olds are are nailing these 18 year old chicks and this and that, yeah. dude. At 45 years old, I ain't got. No, I do not have the time, nor the energy, energy. nor the dude. I mean, thank God I love my wife, and, and we are we are good where we're at. But I'm just like, yep, I'm happy where I'm at, and I'm the same way you are. You know, it's the uh, love my wife to death. Think she's the you know the most beautiful thing in the world, and you know the 18, 19, 20 year old just 
Yeah, Same my kids, it. man. They're little children. And I don't, I don't understand. That's what I, we're getting back to the Epstein thing now. And, you know, the pedophile is I do not get it. And that guy that was trying to justify himself in that article you were saying, that's exactly what he was doing. It's like there's some, in my opinion, there's something wrong there. In my opinion. Some of the audience might disagree. And Josh is like, dude, Luke's off the rails. <laughs> we are off the rails, man. This is awful. But I, I, think it, I think it's important, you know. Guys listen to this podcast. I think a few females do too. And, you know, getting a little, getting a little into the heads of us, you know. Josh looks very uncomfortable right now. Let's, let's, let's hear from him. <laughs> I'm good, dude. I'm not uncomfortable at all. I bet I'm the same way. So we were somewhere, the wife and I, we were somewhere, and she said something about, you know, some random girl. And I was like, that girl's in high school. You know, it was like, well, it's a high schooler. Like, of course they're going to, you know, do wear whatever, you know, or do whatever. I forget what it was. But, you know, my wife's like, no, she's like early 20s. Like, she's in college. And I was like, dude, I was like, I looked at I was like, I didn't even give, you know, I didn't even give the girl a second glance because, like, that's a high schooler. Like, every, you, when you get to be old and shit like us, and, you know, people who are in their 20s, you're like, you're like 12 years old. Like, get away from me. Like, I got absolutely nothing. Um, so, yeah, when does that end? I don't know. Uh, it didn't end for, uh, it didn't end for what's-his-face. Who was the, uh, who was the the oil baron from Texas who married, uh... Ross um, God, what was the girl... The, she was like a playmate or something. The OD in the Bahamas. Um, <laughs> I mean, like he married her, so obviously he 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 did not. You know, he he did not mature like we did. I guess. Hey, uh, it goes back to this guy's point, though. It goes back to the stages. You know. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe any, he was in that stage, but the, the guy. Any you know, dude, he, look. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, the, the guy's absolutely justifying it, you know. So when my wife and I first met, I was 18 years old. She was 16. And, you know, that was that Okay, was okay. Uh, statute of limitations, I think, has passed. So yeah. go ahead. But we met. I didn't say we did anything else. Okay. We met. And, uh, you know, we waited until she was of legal age. Oh, um, great. You know, and love her to death. And, but... When you're when you're in your however old this dude is, and you know is somebody who is not a legal age, you're just justifying at that point. You're trying to justify the fact that you are a flat out pedophile. That's what it is. Well, and there's no when other, you're talking about no other explanation. When you're talking about like uh, Josh's oil baron from Texas, or uh, you know the guy that Anna and Nicole Smith married way back yeah, in the that, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's, her name. That's her name. Same guy. Same guy. Yep. Okay. That's the guy so I'm thinking about and, and all this stuff, and you see, you know, the Hugh Hefner and all this stuff, and it, you know, you're like, oh, these girls are just trying to take advantage of these guys to get their money. Let me let you behind the curtain. That old dude, that old pervert, knew exactly what was going on. He doesn't have that much time left on the earth. It's okay. You know what? These women, and I'm sure it's happened with, with guys too, they're opportunists. Whatever, man. I think everybody's a you know an adult, a consenting adult. You know what? Let's just let it go. I think it's weird. I wouldn't do that, but hey. Do, you Jay do you, Howard you know? Marshall. Jay Howard Marshall. Okay. <laughs> oh, 
But you know what? I tell you, I think it goes beyond that. Like when you look at Epstein and his pedophilia or, or any of them, and I think it goes to what both of you guys were saying. When you have that kind of money, you can do whatever you want and 99.9% of the time get away with it, right? Because you, you just have so much money. So it's like, you know, it's like Charles Barkley here in Phoenix getting another DUI. You know, and, and they pull him over and, you know, I was like, hey, you know, where were you heading to? He was like, well, I was heading to go get a prostitute until you pulled me over. The guy's got so much money that, okay, they're going to find him like $5,000. You know, the guy's worth like $50 million. So I think with a lot of these, a lot of these rich dudes, it's not just pedophilia. You, there's probably a history of some type of drug abuse there, uh, along with every other extreme, you know, thing that you could possibly imagine because there's, you know, I mean, think about it this way. If I had a billion dollars, like, what do you do with a billion dollars? Like, you can go anywhere you want. You do whatever you want. You have whatever you want. It's, uh, there, there is no more want. So it's, it's almost like the heroin addict, right? You know, it's like the first time you, you know, you shoot the needle, the, your black tar hair on there, you know, you got that high, and then you got to use a little bit more, and then you got to use a little bit more. And it's the same thing, I, I think, with a lot of these cats. I mean, you know, we narrow it down and say, hey, it's just pedophilia, but I think with all of them, it probably goes, and, and maybe, and not all illegal, because like, I think when you look at uh, Marshall, the oil tycoon, you know, for some of them, it's just business. You know, it's like, I got to make more money. I, that, that's what they're addicted to is, is more, 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 more. Um, where some of them, you know, get into drugs and, and whatever else it is. Yeah, go. If, we were actually talking. I was going to say, if I had a billion dollars, I'd pay to uh, fly Luke's dogs home. <laughs> exactly. Dude, that's, I, just, I just typed that to those guys. I was like, yeah, you know what? If these billionaires, here, here's something better you could do than, uh, you know, than abuse and, you know, self-abuse and abusing other people is you just adopt a bunch of dogs and travel around the world because they, they, that will drain your money, man. Okay. So when I shipped my dogs over here, uh, folks, uh, a couple years ago, Hazel and Coda, it, it was about $2,000, which I thought was a lot of money. And we had to board them for, for a couple of weeks on the tail end. And we had to go pick them up in Frankfurt. It was, it was a couple grand, which I thought was a lot. And it is a lot. Uh, that that's like more than a stimulus payment. I mean, it's crazy. So, <laughs> it, so we, I, I'm about to move back to the states. For those of you got, for those of you who don't know, I'm about to move back to the states, and I got to ship my dogs back because I'm going to move like in in the middle of July. And you know, if you're flying into Dallas, Fort Worth, or anywhere in the South, they basically say you, you can't fly dogs. You know, in the months of July and August because it's too hot on the tarmac. And we can't control the temperature, and these dogs might die on the tarmac. So you got to fly them like in May, you know, May the latest. So I'm like, okay, I got to fly them back in May. I got to look into shipping them back and all this stuff. So I got 15 different estimates from all around Europe to the places I can actually make it to to drop these dogs off. And the cheapest one I have, the cheapest one I have is out of Budapest for two dogs. One dog is about 80 pounds. Yeah, she's overweight a little bit. And the other dog's about 40 pounds. The minimum estimate out of Budapest, $7,000 to ship two dogs back. And I'm just like, I love these animals. I really do. But my <laughs> God, I mean, that, that's, like, that's like a uh, that's a used car. You can buy a used car for $7,000. I mean, you can do a lot of stuff for $7,000. I can get me a, uh, a, uh, a coffee cup that Roger has. You know, uh, like a couple of them, like, like, 
like a bunch of them, like 70 of them for the, you know, it's, man, <laughs> it's so expensive. And so I, I was asking, you know, the company out of Budapest, they're really good. The Hungarians, man, they're business people. And I was like, why is this so expensive? And they were telling me it's basically, it's because of COVID. Uh, anything that's non-commercial, the shipping cargo, air cargo now that's non-commercial is going to be super expensive because, you know, commercial goods being shipped via air right now, they get first priority and everything else is secondary. So personal goods, pets, you know, animals, whatever are going to be secondary. It's COVID has affected this. So you, so you do the math. Four years ago, it was 2000. Now it's 7,000. And you, you said know, one of your dogs is older, right? Yeah, yeah, 13 years old. Yeah. So hopefully she makes it. Good Lord. <laughs> and my dad, my dad's going to, you know, I, <laughs> my dad, my dad's great, man. Yeah, y'all, y'all talked to him a few episodes ago. Uh, but, you know, he's used to driving around. So I, I got with my dad and I was like, hey, I need a big favor from you. Can you go pick up my dogs from the airport in DFW, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth? And he's, you know, Dad, please, can you do this? You know, I'll pay for your gas. I'll pay for your hotel, all these things. And I was expecting, halfway expecting to say, no, I can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm transporting a bunch of dead bodies. But uh, he he replied back and he's like, what an honor. I'm so excited. And it's like, what? what? <laughs> okay. You yeah, sure it wasn't sarcasm or? No, I, I called him right after that. And he's like, he loves, he loves Hazel because Hazel, he had to win her over because yeah, she does not like him. She she does not like my dad. She loves him, but she doesn't. Every time she sees him, she bares her teeth. <laughs> it's weird, man. Only with my dad. And but she, you know, cuddles up to him. Man, this episode is so bad. This episode is so bad. I'm sorry. Let's get back no, on track, right. man. The first first hundred days. Let's do it. First hundred days. So what do you think, Josh, before you get into the nuts and bolts of it? What's your uh what's your what's your five star rating of Biden's hundred first hundred days? Uh, zero out of five would not recommend. That's my, uh, that's my assessment. You know, there's a lot to, there's a lot to cover in the first hundred days. Uh, I didn't know we were covering the first hundred days for this episode. So I've, I've been found, uh, unprepared. I will say, so new story that just came out, uh, on May 4th, the Biden administration is banning travel from India. He's such a xenophobe. I, I was told last year that this was racist. I was told last year that banning countries from travel to the United States was racist. And I want to know how many of those listeners out there who voted for Joe Biden, I want to know how many of you think this is racist. He's, a, he's, he's an Indian banner. He hates Indians. I don't, I don't know how you, uh, you, you support that and you voted for a racist. Yeah, first 100 days, uh, it's absolutely, uh, it's, every, it's probably worse than we thought it was going to be. You know, he didn't give his first presser for how many days after he uh, after he took office? Two months. Yeah, it was like sixty some odd days, right? Like sixty five, yeah. sixty six, something like that. Yeah, it was sixty plus days before he gave his first press conference. Um, the the stack, you know, EOs that he signed, you know, and everybody remembers the the press conference where he's got that stack of executive orders in front of him, and he asks a question. He's like, "What am I signing here?" <laughs> People, you know, totally totally glossed over that. Uh, Jim Pasaki is a, a complete disaster. Kamala Harris is MIA. She's supposedly the border czar, and she hasn't given a press conference since she became the border czar. 
Uh, I mean, and even some Democrats uh, in Texas, one of the Democrats, I believe, is from Texas, has even come out and said, hey, this is worse than what you guys are, you know, worse than what the administration is putting out. Like, it's bad. It's really, really bad. Um, Domestic policy, I don't know. I don't know who is running domestic policy. I have an idea. But I don't know who is running domestic policy, but that's a disaster as well. I think it's Susan Rice. Um, Biden's not right when we talked about it. Biden's not running foreign policy. That's Blinken. Blinken's driving foreign policy. Biden is not. Uh, you know, it's it's a complete it's a hot mess. I think the first hundred days, you know, he's doing what he did during during his campaign, which is staying away from the cameras. Even his. Uh, you know, even the press conferences that he that he held, which is you know the one he walked off. You know, he was reading, reading from the teleprompter in his book of reporters to call on, and then the one he just gave on the CD. What was it? The CDC update, where he said you don't have to wear a mask outside. Um, and for those of you, if you believe in science, you weren't wearing a mask outside to begin with. Even that one, that one got cut short. Somebody tried to ask him a question afterwards. You know, uh, actually a real question, and he bowed up on him. Yeah. Yeah, man. First hundred days, zero, zero out of five. Not recommend. Well, no. even his own secretaries, like you said, there's there's people, and what we've alluded to, there are people behind that are that are actually running everything: foreign policy, domestic policy, trade, what have you. And I don't necessarily have so much of an issue with that. I mean, I, I was more of a you know the way uh, I think Barack did it, and uh, you know Donald Trump did it. Most presidents do. You know, you're going to push my policy. Um, if you're relying on your experts, but the problem is you don't even see the secretaries out there, right? Okay. That's one thing not to have Joe Biden out there, but, uh, like Kamala Harris, I mean, she's MIA. I hadn't heard from that chick until his, uh, you know, his faux state of the union. I know it wasn't a true state of the union thing addressed to joint, you know, session of Congress, whatever. But, uh, that, that's like the first time I've seen her since she was made like the borders are. I mean, just completely gone. You know, Blinken, I think the only time I've seen him uh, and Sullivan was during the, the meet with the Chinese, you know, and they televised that for like, what, 45 seconds? You know, it's like these people, you know, same thing with Susan Rice. I don't necessarily have a problem with you, uh, you know, deferring or delegating a lot of this stuff down to your cabinet secretaries because that's why they're, that's why they're there. They're your subject matter experts, theoretically. But, hey, maybe they should get out there and address it. And I think what... What's killed me the most is one here. It's very, it's painfully obvious that this is a lot harder and it shouldn't be because Joe's been in in government for, you know, ever. Um, But I guess as a Senator, you don't have to work really hard, but it's like, Hey man, a lot of these problems are a lot harder to solve than, than what you're just getting up there thinking you're, Oh yeah, I'm just going to walk in here and you know, I'm going to knock out a couple of these EOs and that's going to solve this problem. That's going to solve this problem. But what kills me more than anything is like the administration could fail and they're going to do, they're going to do some good things. They're going to do some bad things, whatever. People will judge history will judge, you know, how successful he is. But going back to the media, man, where's the accountability for any of this stuff? I mean, it's like, Oh man, that's great. And he's doing a great job. I and mean, that was a fan, Chris Wallace, of course, right? Greatest one I've ever heard. Okay. So, so what was so great? What's so great about his first hundred days? Oh man, well, he's just great. Well, yeah. Okay. So what has he done? Man, he, man, hundred days is just great. So what I did was, and I'll pass this to Luke and, and you know, you can kind of pick and choose what you want. So I went on to NPR, which is not, you know, a, a, a far right or right and 
you could argue maybe center of the road, center left a little bit. Uh, so they looked at his uh, his first hundred days, and I'll cover a couple of these, and then Luke, you can just cherry pick and take what you want. COVID nineteen, okay. Well, one, it's interesting because what they do for the YouTubers on here, they say done, and for the ones that aren't done, it says it's complicated. <laughs> so as opposed to just saying it's not done. They just say it's complicated, right? So now, let me, you know, let, let's lay this out for the reader. So when you look at your 100-day agenda, these are things that he is promising that he is going to accomplish in the first 100 days. Most presidents run on something like that. Not something that's going to take four years. Not something he's going to have to be reelected to do. It's, hey, when I come in, there's going to be sweeping changes. Uh, this is what I'm going to accomplish in, in the first 100 days. And understand it may not be to completion, but you expect a large part of that that we would be moving. So, you know, you take COVID-19, assemble coronavirus task force, done. Man, that was a tough one because I thought we already had one. But, you know, he made his coronavirus task force. So that was done. So you got to give him a green mark, green check mark for that. Uh, Push for immediate coronavirus legislation. That was $1.9 trillion. Uh, voted along uh, party lines. Uh, there was no $15 an hour in that bill, and there was no $10,000 uh, student loan bailout in that bill as, as well. So that was done. Uh, release of vaccine distribution plan. Last time I checked, we already had one because under the Trump administration, he was already doing right at 1 million vaccinations a day. Uh, and then Joe, man, I tell you what, he really put himself out there by saying that in his first 100 days, they were going to knock out 100 million vaccinations considering we were already at a million a day. So, I mean, that's whew, that was a tough one. So he did accomplish that, so I'd give him that. Uh, the main one out of COVID-19, you know, is he rejoined the WHO and kept, you know, Dr. Fauci as, as close advisor, which I guess that's a done. But, I mean, Dr. Fauci, who was it? It was either Luke or, or Josh. I mean, he, he said, like, he's the highest paid guy in the government that's been there how long? Like, probably as long as uh, Biden was a senator. So, I mean, Fauci clearly wasn't going anywhere. Uh Luke, I'll throw out the, these uh, broader category because they break it down to COVID-19. So then you've got the economy, reverse Trump's corporate tax cut, says not yet achieved, which means he didn't do it. First 100 days, the environment, um, organizing a climate world summit, make U.S. an international leader on climate change. I don't know how that happens, how you, how you measure that. Racial equity is what they use. Immigration and foreign policies. So what's your, uh, what's your take on this first hundred? I know I think I kind of blew out the, the COVID-19, so feel free to jump on whatever you feel like. Well, I think of the, all those things that you just mentioned, you know, all those, all those platforms for the first hundred days are something, you know, are so nebulous that you could say whatever you wanted and, you know, you would have accomplished those things. Uh, the first hundred days, it depends on how you, how you look at it. You know, uh, Rush Limbaugh way back in the day, got a lot of heat for saying, I hope Obama fails. And what Rush Limbaugh was saying was based on Obama's agenda and what Obama wants, I hope his agenda fails. So I hope the president of the United States fails in his agenda. And, you know, I would say from a, from a Democrat point of view, um, from a Democrat point of view, uh, not a hard left point of view, not a social justice warrior, you know, hard left point of view. But from a Democrat point of view, uh, Joe Biden's first hundred days has been a success from their point of view. From our point of view, you're like, yeah, this guy, you know, I don't like what he's doing. And I, I don't either. I think his first hundred days has, has undone a lot of a lot of uh, some good that was done over the over the previous four years and even beyond that, believe it or not. 
but from a Democrat point of view, for the people who, for the 80 million people who supposedly voted for him, I think that the first 100 days is somewhat of a success. But what I find interesting is, you know, what's the approval rating, man? If you're if you're going off like, you know, just YouTube, right? And people who are watching YouTube, uh, I would say people who are watching YouTube, uh, Vice, Fox News, or MSNBC are watching YouTube, you know, uh, you know, uh, President Biden's, you know, address to Congress are probably more politically aware than those people just, you know, watching TV. And if you look at the numbers, man, Biden is being ratioed to hell on YouTube. And from what I'm seeing on Facebook and Twitter as well, I mean, there's so many thumbs down on those. It's just, it's, it's not a good metric. And people can, you know, chalk it up to, oh, dumb Trump voters and stuff like that. I, I do not think that's it. I'm going to maintain, I think it was, it was poetic, you know, Josh uh, posted on his Facebook the other day. Uh, to yeah, yesterday, that uh, you know, <laughs> you know, Joe Biden meets you know Jimmy Carter in Georgia, and Josh posted two worst presidents in history meet for the first time. <laughs> Fixed your headline for you. It's like, man, I do think that Joe Biden is a one-term president. You know, I, I'm gonna at this point, guys. At this point, I'm gonna say he's gonna make it a full term. I, I'm gonna say he's gonna make it a full term, but he will be a one-term president. And he will be extremely unpopular. And we could go down that road about who's going to be the next Reagan or whatever. But uh, what I want to talk about real quick, real quick, before I kick it to Josh, because I'm going to talk for a minute. So, Josh, just, just go ahead and go back to sleep. What I, <laughs> what I find most disconcerting about the administration so far in the first 100 days is the amount of money they're talking about spending. And just, you know, I, I have this PDF in front of me, and, and what's the difference between a million, billion, and trillion? Okay. And I'll, I'll read it. You know, 1,000 seconds, 1,000 seconds, ticks of the clock, was 16 minutes, 40 seconds ago. So I paid, you know, $7,000. I paid about two hours worth to shoot, ship my dogs overseas. Okay. So what's a million seconds? A million seconds is 11 days and about 14 hours. What's a billion seconds? A billion seconds is 31 and a half years, okay? What's a trillion seconds? A trillion seconds is almost 32,000 years. That would be around 29,000 BC, which is 24,000 years before the earliest civilization began to take shape. Now, let's bring this back to all of these policies and, and this infrastructure plan that, that Biden's talking about and all these things. We're talking about how much money? How much money are we talking about? $2.3 trillion. If a trillion is a second, that's, you know, talking about hours, years, all that stuff, that's 24,000 years ago, plus the family's plan, which is $1.8 trillion. You know, we're talking about the infrastructure plan. What does that mean? What is infrastructure? You know, I, uh, well, okay, okay, so, I, so I've got this thing. <laughs> let, let, let's go around the horn, okay? Infrastructure in the modern world rotates around the electrical grid. That's all there is to it. Everything branches out from there. 
Everybody's talking about crumbling infrastructure, crumbling infrastructure. Okay, so the electrical grid is, we'll say, is the core of infrastructure. What do we have around that core? Water, transportation, communications, financial services, emergency services, food and agriculture, government facilities, healthcare and public health, information technology, oil and gas production, critical manufacturing, commercial facilities, dams, defense industrial, chemical, nuclear reactors and materials and waste. Okay, so can anyone tell me exactly which part of the infrastructure is crumbling? Which part of that infrastructure is actually crumbling? I know there's been some blackouts. I know there's been some blackouts because of cold weather and things like that. But what's crumbling? If you want to invest in infrastructure, that's fine. That's fine. But don't call it crumbling and tell me we got to spend 40,000 years worth of dollars fixing it. Who's going to pay for that? Josh was saying the other day, or not the other day, two days ago. I love Josh's Facebook posts. I'm really going to miss Facebook when I leave. And I'm going to leave, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it on Josh to plug our, our upcoming website within a month or two. But, dude, I love Josh's Facebook posts because people are like, oh, you know, part of the infrastructure and families plan is the first two years of community college are going to be free. And Josh is like, it's not free, morons. It's not free. So, Josh, I'll, do, I'll ask you to do me a favor. When you go off on this, on how it's going to be paid for and all this, is let's start to touch on, you know, what the listener who will not be named likes to hear is like, what would be our solution for it? And we talked about that a little bit today on Facebook Messenger. What would be the solution? You know, what would be a better policy than what's being proposed right now? Go. So first off. That's just not free. But people say that. I don't understand why people don't understand that. Like, I, I just can't wrap it around my head because it's like, oh, when people talk about free college, they only think about the tuition piece. They're like, well, I just want to have to pay tuition. Okay. Well, who's going to pay the professors? Who is going to pay the janitor? Who is going to pay the facility, the rest of the facilities, maintenance people? Who's going, who, who's going to pay all the administrative folks? that work in there that have, you know, this is behind desk who aren't professors. Like, who's paying all that stuff? And if it's not going to be the federal government, okay, well, the federal government's not going to pay it. Okay, well, somebody's paying it. That money's coming from somewhere. Somebody is raising taxes. So when we're talking about, you know, this free education and free this, I'm all about, you know, getting people educated, whether it's in the, you know, in the trades, whether it's through, you know, a regular four-year university where you go get your, you know, your lesbian dance theory degree. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. I would rather not pay for your lesbian dance theory degree. I would rather pay for you to be become a licensed welder, a licensed electrician, a licensed plumber. Maybe you can go work on the infrastructure that Joe Biden keeps saying is crumbling. So, you know, we were chatting earlier about this. I think it's, you know, I, I think the idea is you take that and the government the government subsidizes and says, hey, we will pay your way through a trade school. And most of your trade schools aren't that long. But when you graduate, guess what, buddy? You're on the hook for X number of years in the civil service. You're on the hook. You've got to go and work for the government on some project somewhere and pay that back in a sense. Right. 
I, I, I'm 100% on board with that. And I even think, you know, we even talked about if you're a corporation and you hire these folks to go work on these projects, hey, you're still getting paid. That corporation gets tax breaks from the government. I, I mean, I think that's a win-win for everybody. You'll see more companies. I think companies can get behind that. When you start talking tax breaks, that's when the private, you know, the private sector is like, hey, now you got my attention. And, and folks go and they, you know, they get back a little bit. Um, and, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And I would, I would fully support, you know, the, the trades piece on this. I, I don't know that I would support this so much paying for somebody to go get a four-year degree in some bullshit major that, you know, when, when the zombies show up, nobody needs. Right. I don't know. Roger, you got any, uh, you got any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I love the program, and I think California used to have something like that if they still don't have it uh, as far as teachers because I had a buddy, uh, his wife went through it. I think, I forget the amount of years, but basically she got her uh, teaching degree from a, a state you know, public university, and in return, I think she had to do five years uh, you know, in, in a community, low-income community uh, as a teacher, and they still paid her. Right. So it was like, hey, you're going to go teach, you know, the underserved community. Uh, you do that five years and then your student loan is, you know, or, or however they do it, you know, your, your degree is free. And I think my bigger problem with that one, I love it because that's that's how you that's how you provide incentive to corporations to really give back to the community, which a lot of them do anyway. I know they, you know, big corporations have been getting the black eye lately because, you know, the top five biggest paid zero on taxes and this and that. Hey, um, so how many people does Amazon employ? It's kind of wondering, right? Uh, they pay any tax on those employees as far as the salaries? They might pay a little bit. Uh, they pay any unemployment tax. But anyway, I love the I love the Votech thing. And, and this is kind of, uh, I just saw this a couple days ago. So Mesa Community College uh, out here is offering, quote unquote, free college uh, if you meet certain criteria and this and that. And I think it, it kind of boils up my whole problem with this thing. And it goes with, with several other, I guess you could probably say every, every major issue. I have no issue with folks at the local level, governments at the local level making these decisions because voters are voting these people in. It's easier to make changes. Changes are faster and you're making changes that immediately impact your community. Okay, uh, to nationalize something like this is what I totally disagree with. It's kind of like the voting. It's what they're trying to do right now with voting, right? They're trying to nationalize voting uh, procedures, not rights, voting procedures, as opposed to letting each locality, each state handle it the way they're supposed to handle it, or how to handle it the way they, they choose to handle it. So like with Mesa Community College, you know, eligibility requirements. Uh, city of Mesa, and again, two-year college, City of Mesa residents who meet the following criteria eligible for the Mesa College Promise, graduating 2021 from, you know, uh, high school, earning a 2.0 or higher GPA, demonstrating financial need based on FAFSA, so they, they apply for it, they make, you know, below $45,000 as a family, um, and then you enroll full-time at Mesa Community College. If you do that, you get two years of free uh, community college, because what they have done locally, and for those that aren't familiar with Mesa, Mesa's got some really nice areas, and Mesa's got some really poor areas. And what they have done at, as a, at a local level is determine, hey, uh, if we can get these folks that, that are uh, underserved or underprivileged or whatever you want to call them, let, let's get them educated. Uh, and a lot of times, especially out here with the community colleges, a lot of those community colleges have the Votech programs. 
right? So they go become plumbers, welders, electricians, uh, you know, out here, it's uh, aviation's huge. So now you take a guy or gal who probably would have never been able to go to college and, and even afford a, a Votex school and would have ended up at McDonald's. And now you're going to turn this person to somebody who makes, you know, 80, 90, $100,000 a year that can actually give back to society. So I, I have no problems with local level government doing that. And it just goes back to our whole, um, you know, when you look at the way the constitution was written, it, it was power to the people, right? And uh, when you look at what your vote, what your vote can, can change and how fast it can change it, because they can get rid of this policy next cycle. It's gone, right? You, you, hey, I didn't like these people. I vote them out, vote somebody else in, it changes. Uh, when you look at a national level, uh, one, the change is not so fast. And then, you know, maybe my state's doing it right, but you see it with the coronavirus, right? You see the states that primarily stayed open, and then you see the states that closed down. And with the $1.9 trillion COVID package, Florida and Arizona are paying for California and Michigan. Why is that? So that's my problem with that stuff is, you know, there's a, there's a cookie cutter, uh, you know, solution that they're trying to apply to it. And it, and it, it, it just doesn't work, you know, across the country. What was interesting was what Luke said about his, uh, about Joe Biden. And I want to ask you this, if, if you didn't have anything else to say or just throw it in there or whatever. So Joe Biden, his uh, cumulative or not cumulative, but I guess the average uh, approval rating is 53.9%. Okay. Now, Luke's shaking his head bullshit, and I totally agree with him because The Hill came out today with their uh, approval rating, and he's at 60, right? But get get this. So when you look into the numbers, Rasmussen, which is pretty legit as far as polls go, have his approval rating at 47%, disapproval at 51. Okay, now I even think that's high for his approval rating, but, you know, it's probably somewhere close. Now, in order to get these averages, you got to throw in these other polls. Morning Consult has 60% to 33. 60 being approved, 33 being disapproved. Ipsos, 55 to 38. Harris X, who I've never even heard of, 60 to 40. YouGov, go figure, 51 to 39. So you probably have the most legitimate poll that, that is you know, probably an accurate reflection, but you know what, we'll go ahead and throw these other, you know, left wing polls in here that he's going to be 55, 60%. And that's just going to skew everything. So it averages out at a 53 and kind of going back to what Luke was saying with the ratio on YouTube. And I don't even know if there's a question here as opposed to a comment, but like every time we're on YouTube, social media, uh, even last night with, with the, uh, or not last night, but the other night with the, uh, his joint address or his address to joint uh, Congress, like he had one third the viewers that Trump did. If you get on, and I challenge our listeners out there, I mean, get on any one of his Facebook, you know, videos, uh, any of his YouTube videos, overwhelmingly it's negative. And I'm not talking about, hey, split 50 50. Uh, it is, you know, and I'm throwing it out there, but it's like, dude, it's like eight out of every 10 comments is extremely negative. People just are not happy with the way things are going. But then when you look at today's media and then you look at the polling from all these uh, from these other four polls, he's at 60 percent. So where's the where's that that trade off? Where's that discrepancy come from? I mean, it's like you, I mean, is there anybody out there that actually feels like he has a 60 percent approval rating? Well, OK, that that's that's good, because 
this is why I say BS, you know, I was like, oh, BS, no way, is that, and then I started thinking about it. It's like, okay, things with COVID are getting better in the United States. And, you know, whether that was Trump's, you know, thing, rolling out the, you know, uh, you know, the vaccine, you know, getting it done so quick and so many people are being vaccinated, the rates are going down. Your average Joe and Jane six-pack are going to look to the president and be like, well, it looks like it's going well. The president must be doing a good job. You know, I'm getting back to work. It, I must be, you know, he must be doing a good job. Everything that happens, good or bad, is the president, right? So, uh, you know, I can see how those numbers for the uneducated populace are the, what they are right now, but, you know, Things keep going the way they are, and this this approval rating is going to turn around. Uh, it really is. I mean, I know uh, you know a few companies uh, uh, you know released their quarterly earnings, and it looked really good today for some companies. But if you look at the stock market since Biden's been president in a supposed COVID recovery, it doesn't look that good. And I'm not saying that that's Biden's fault or anything like that. I'm just saying. The stock market doesn't look that great compared to how it looked 18 months ago. And we're supposed to be going into a recovery. So I can see how those numbers are what they are um, right now, but they're not going to last. They are not going to last. And I, I don't know how to, uh, you know, how to square the numbers of likes, uh, dislikes on, on YouTube and all the social media platforms anytime Biden speaks. Because that, that's a little tricky, right? If somebody is looking at one of our YouTube videos, for instance, uh, those of you who watch them, all six of you, you know, we may say something in the video where it's like, well, we think that Joe Biden sucks, or we think Trump, you know, or we think Trump is great. You're going to dislike the video based on the comment we made right then. That doesn't. That that means you dislike the entire video. That means you dislike the channel. That's the way the algorithm works on YouTube. So it's strange. It's 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 a little bit weird. Do people not like Biden or do they not like what he's saying? So it, it is it is strange. I don't know. But there are a lot of dislikes. Now, one thing I want to talk about real quick is you know I don't want to be a complete hater, right? Back when I was in the military, you know. Uh, do it, doing work downrange. Uh, I used to apply the uh, Joe six pack smell test on any time I was spending money or uh, spending money on resources or whatever. You know, fraud, waste, and abuse. It's like, well, do we really need this? And I used to apply the Joe six pack smell test. Excuse me, half a second. So the Joe six pack smell test is this. It's like Joe Sixpack sitting in his, you know, living room. If he thought I needed to spend $1,000 on this widget, would Joe Sixpack like that or not? Is that good for Joe Sixpack or not? And if Joe Sixpack says, yeah, I think that Luke needs that to accomplish his mission, I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, in the absence of, you know, a command decision, I applied sometimes the Joe Sixpack smell test. And a lot of times it worked. I try to apply that to myself in politics and, you know, some of this stuff that Joe Biden's coming out with, with the infrastructure plan and things like that. I, idealist versus realist, right? We live in a real world where we, where we are taxed and our tax dollars are going towards something the, the government is doing, whether we like it or not. 
So I look at the infrastructure plan, and uh, man, uh, it, it there's a lot. Uh, 2.3 trillion plus 1.8 trillion. And there are some things in here I see, okay, if we spent, if the government spent this money investing in the infrastructure, would it give a positive feedback to the economy? And some of these things actually do, right? Um, I'm looking through this whole thing. I've got this, I've got this thing pulled up. Most of the stuff I see in here doesn't do anything. Uh, nutrition programs, <laughs> okay. Paid family and medical leave. Uh, you know that's two hundred twenty-five billion. Childcare, two hundred twenty-five billion. Two years of free community college, one hundred nine billion. You know, for your first two years of your lesbian uh, dance degree, I don't see how that contributes to the economy. Pell grants, eighty-five billion. Mm. Free universal preschool, two hundred billion. I don't know. Some of this stuff, you know, small business, thirty-one billion. Okay, okay. It depends on what that goes toward. You know, is it small businesses across the board, or is it minority small businesses? Well, we can get in that in a second. Here's one: a hundred billion dollars, electrical grid and clean energy. Okay. Electrical grid, I can get with $100 billion. Community investment, $20 billion, I can get with that. There's just, there's so much here. There's more here that I don't see. You can hear my dogs licking water in the background. So bad. <laughs> there's more in this that I see doesn't have a actual return on investment. Eliminate lead pipes, $45 billion. Veterans hospitals, $18 billion. I... I there's just a lot here that I don't see a return on investment. There are some things that I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with the government investing in that. But I'd say 80% of it, I'm not okay with it. I, I'm really not. Josh, uh, how much have you looked into it, if at all? And you know, what do you think about government investment in uh, infrastructure? So I haven't looked at, I haven't looked at the bills. Uh, I, you know, I call it the highlights of them, the wave tops. And again, it's so convoluted that, you know, digging into it and really, really doing some, some due diligence on them is so, is, is difficult. Right. And then we've now changed the definitions of things. So we're not operating off, we're not operating off a common taxonomy anymore because, you know, you have the president saying, <sighs> Childcare is infrastructure. How in the hell is childcare infrastructure? How is it infrastructure? It's not you. You may use infrastructure to go drop your kid off at childcare, but childcare itself is not infrastructure. I just I, I like I don't I don't understand it. I you know any bill, regardless of what it's for should have to be two things. And I'm going to go back to our episode where we said if we were, you know, basically if we were in charge for a day, what would we do? The other thing I would do, I would pass, I would push through a congressional, a constitutional amendment that any bill sit, you know, presented before Congress would have to be a clean bill. There could only be one thing on that bill. That's it. The defense bill would strictly be defense. Whatever bill that would be true, you know, for whatever that that subject is, you couldn't attach anything to it. Um, and the other thing would be 
you would have any bill that has money attached to it that has you know has a dollar amount if it is if it does not cut two dollars in spending for every one dollar it wants to spend it's dead on arrival it will not pass the spending is 100 percent out of control it is out of control in this country and we are using money to to buy votes and we're using the promise of money you know to to get our ways and it's it is absolutely 100% out of control. As far as the infrastructure goes, you know, okay, I, I have no issue with spending money to fix some bridges. I have no issue with money, you know, using some money to, you know, fix some of our roads. I can tell you right now, Manchester Road on Fort Bragg, please, God, get some of that damn infrastructure bill money because, the dude, that road's a hot-ass mess. Um, but when you're, you know... When you're rattling off infrastructure and, you know, it's, it's not, it's not crumbling. I see people working, dude, I see people working on bridges all the time. I see people working on the electrical grid all the time. I see people, you know, we're constantly working on and upgrading and updating nuclear power plants because those things were all built when? Back in the 50s, in the 60s, most of them. Those things are constantly being upgraded. I I drive past one every time I drive from, you know, my neighborhood to Raleigh. I drive past a nuclear power plant and there's, you know, you can always see construction going on out there. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. Just throw this in there. The nuclear power plant I get. Okay. But the the highway that's all messed up, uh, all that stuff. How is that federal? The, The nuclear plants I get. I get that. That's federal infrastructure. The interstates, that's federal infrastructure. But if your highway, your state highway is is all messed up, that's not a federal problem as far as I'm concerned. Nuclear plants, yes, I get it. But crumbling infrastructure, I guess it depends on the state you're in, right? I don't know. I guess. And so when I say high, when I say fixing roads and stuff, yeah, I use, you know, Fort Bragg, Fort Bragg roads, that's federal, right? Because um, that's on a military installation, and so yeah, if it's a, if it's not an interstate, that's a state problem, man. That's a state, you know, all the way down to the county problem. You gotta you gotta get that get that under control. But at the federal level, they're they shouldn't be. They you know they uh, obviously they shouldn't be funding and maintaining non non federal things. I just I think it's all a bunch of bullshit. I think it's just another excuse to spend money so they can turn around and say, look, you know, look what we did. They're even talking about another round of stimulus. It's like, why? At some point, at some point, somebody needs to take the checkbook away from them. But it's not but it's not going to happen because, you know, the people in Congress, they're old. They don't care. They're going to be dead before the bill comes due. Yeah. So it's a shit show. I, I, I am becoming more and more. My, my little L for libertarians becoming it's it's getting capitalized day by day because I, I mean how many fiscal conservatives are there left? I Rand Paul and who else? Who's the only, who? Name another fiscal conservative. There isn't one. No, there's not one. Well, until I the wish, big L libertarians put up a viable candidate, which they have not, and they no. won't next time. Joe Jorgensen no. and. Uh, you know, what is Aleppo? Come on, man. Gary, I mean, Gary Johnson. I w- yeah, Gary, Gary, what is Aleppo Johnson? It's so like, here, here's okay. the other thing. Here's the other thing that needs to happen. 
and maybe this will wake Americans up. Guess what? There will be no taxes taken out of your paycheck. You will write a check every month. At the end of the month, you will write a check to the government to pay your taxes. Let's see how, see how quick and see how much support shit like this gets put behind it when you're actually physically writing that check every month. Not just, well, it's, you know, it's not my paycheck, so I don't ever see that money. So it doesn't hurt. It doesn't sting that bad. No. Write that check. There will be a physical, a negative physical chemical response in your body, and you'll be like, this is bullshit, and I'm, not, I'm fed up with it, and I'm not putting up with it anymore. So, that was all. That'll never happen, angry. though. No, no I agree with happen. you. That'll never happen, because nobody will have the money. <laughs> oh, you need, a, you need a check? Yeah, I'm going to write that one for you right there. Hey, you like know. floating a check at the PX when you're a private, you were like, I can buy whatever I want on Friday, because this puppy ain't getting cash till Heck Monday. Yeah. Float check day. <laughs> no, and you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's, I don't even argue against what's, what's in this stuff. You know, that's fine. If you want to give money to in-home care, $400 billion, by the way, which I don't know how that falls into infrastructure, but, uh, or airports or, or whatever. I don't care. That, that's fine. Vote on that issue. You know, and I think that's what Josh is saying. It's like, hey, look, you know, they do these omnibus packages where they roll everything into one. And these things, I mean, some of these, you like, I don't know how in-home care falls under the infrastructure spending bill. You know, it's $400 billion. That. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need that and you don't need, uh, it says on the chart here, care for people with disabilities and older adults. I'm not saying we don't need that. Make that a separate issue and vote on it. But neither side will do that because they know that they won't get what they need passed so they can spend, you know, send money back to their constituents, back to their states. Because that's what happens, you know, going back to, to Luke's you know, statement uh, on the states and, and the roads and this and that. That's the deal. That's the deal that's being that that's been made is they the, the states and the blue states and the red states do it as well. In this case, it was the blue states. Hey, we're going to follow your federal guidance with coronavirus and what the CDC puts out and this and that, because in return, we're going to get some federal money for us. And so when you have uh, whatever the money was for roads or whatever, you know, uh, roads and bridges, $115 billion. Okay, well, you know what? I think it's like $50 billion of that or $35 billion of that goes to the states. And guess who's going to get the most of that money? California, New York, Michigan, Washington State, right? It's going to be states that go back to the administration because that's the deal they cut. They said, hey, you know, I, I'm going to follow suit and do what you tell me to do because when this big bill gets passed, uh, I want some of that money. And so that's my problem with this is, Break it apart. I mean, they even break it apart. And, and it's actually a pretty good chart from the New York Times that Luke sent. You know, they break it down to buildings and utilities, transportation, in-home care, jobs, innovation. You know, it's crazy because they talk about, well, everybody, you know, high-speed broadband, da 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 Okay, that's great. That's only $100 billion. Uh, there's more money going to some of this. Like, I have no idea uh, what some of this stuff is. What's other for $35 billion? I mean, I get it, right? I mean, I understand that. There's some certain things that don't fall into categories. Like, hey, it's just $35 billion. And it, I wish there was another term for it, you know, because we use the term taxes all the time. And I get, I, you know, that, that's probably like my biggest thing is jobs in the economy and taxes. Because people, and I've said it a million times, but people fail to realize, or I, I guess they do realize, they just, you know, they don't want to come to terms with it. But taxes means my money. That's what taxes are, all right? They, they shouldn't call them taxes. 
That's, that's our money. And so, yeah, when you're taking our money to spend on this stuff, it's like Josh said, nothing's free. Okay, it's not free because I'm paying for it. You're paying for it. We are all paying for it. And it goes back to my push, you know, I, I would like to see, and I think you are seeing it, more things return to the local level so that locally here we can determine what we're going to spend our money on because it's much easier to vote out a town council as you know than it is a president or whatever. The other thing with this is even the left, and I do think I agree with Luke on this, where you look at his overall approval rating as it go, and it's going to go down because you're starting to get more and more pushback from the left. I mean, did you hear that Hillary Clinton and um, oh, there's another one on a prominent left talking about the Afghan pullout, saying, no, you don't need to do that. And I forget who it was on Fox News. They're like, hey, so when Hillary Clinton and the GOP agrees on a foreign policy issue, you might want to listen to that. You know, now I'm not saying you're right or wrong on the Afghan thing, and maybe you should be there or not, or whatever separate issue. Uh, but it just it it kills me when you look at the overall job bill. They say it's going to create 19 million jobs, right? You know what the CBO says that we're going to create without this job bill? 16 million. So they're like, wait a minute here. So let me get this right. So we're going to spend $2 trillion to create 3 million more jobs. And you don't hear that. All you hear is, we're going to create 19 million jobs. We're going to create 19 million jobs. Okay, that's great. Well, what we're going to create without it? Well, we were going to create 16 million. And going back to the real issue is, okay, well, who's creating those 16 million jobs versus who create, who's creating the 19 million jobs? I'm not sure I want the federal government because that's what's going on now. I read an article today about you know, quantitative easing, how the Fed is going to keep doing it, right? They're just going to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep buying bonds, keep buying bonds. And so now you're seeing the difference between a Trump economy and a Barry economy or now a Biden economy because those are one and the same. And so you're looking at an economy that was propped up by small businesses versus an economy that's being propped up by the government. And when you look at GDP and everybody's talking about, hey, look at all this, uh, you know, the GDPs, historic highs and this and that. Well, because we went through a crash where half the country, if not more, was shut down. So guess what? When you have that big drop, you're going to have a, a, a historical rebound, which you should under any president, right? That's just the way it's going to happen. But you're truly looking at the difference between a small business, private citizen built economy or economic recovery versus government funding. And, you know, I mean, Josh has been saying it for a while, and I guess when you say it long enough, it, it happens, but it's, uh, it, it's going to happen. I mean, there's going to be a huge crash here. You know, and the government's back into buying, you know, mortgage securities again. You know, oh, by the way, that goes back to the Glass-Steagall Act. You can thank uh, Bill Clinton for that one there where they allowed the bank uh, to get involved in securitizations buying, you know, blocks of, you know, 100,000. Because I tell you what, I don't know how it is out there where you guys are. Well, you know, Luke's a little different where he's at, but where Josh is. But home values here have gone through the roof. And you're getting yep. to the point where people can't afford to pay for them anymore, right? So what happens to these blocks of you know, securitizations is, okay, well, you know, as an investor, you assume that 5% of these are going to be bad, and we'll just write these, these 5% off. What happens when 50% are bad? You know, what happens when 60% are bad? What happens when 75% of those are bad? Right? And, oh, by the way, you can't evict anybody either. Right. So, again, I'm not saying that there are, you know, there aren't some positives here. It's like Luke said, there, there's always positives there. But I think you have to vote on those many. individually. But it will never happen individually because then the senators and congresspersons 
have no way to, f- to filter money back uh, to their own districts. Whew. I have a lot of problems with what's going on right now, uh, mainly. And talking about Josh's, uh, you know, little L versus big L, it's, you know, you've got a choice right now. You're either a Republican or a Democrat if you're being a realist. You're going to throw your vote away on Joe Jorgensen. I don't care what anybody says listening to this. If you voted for <laughs> Joe Jorgensen or what is Aleppo, I, he's so in, inconsequential to me, I forget his name, Johnson, Gary Johnson. If you voted for them, you threw your vote away, just like you did for Ross Perot. So don't come at me with your BS about, I voted my principles. No, you didn't. You threw your vote away. That's exactly what you did. And, it, and I, will, I will be the first one to tell you that's, that's a consequence of our system. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You did throw your vote away. That sucks that the system exists the way it does, but you did. You threw your vote away. You know, <sighs> Okay, I, I went a little bit <laughs> off. Well, no, you didn't right just throw there. your vote away. In this case here, and it changes depending on who's running. In this case here, you voted for Biden. If you voted that third yep. party, you voted for Biden. And and Perot, you voted for Clinton. And, and, right. and Perot, you voted for Clinton. That, that's yep. just all there is to it. That's all there is to it. And people can say they voted their conscience. And hey, bro, why don't you just vote your conscience? Hey, man, why don't you grow up and live in the real world and stop being a little whatever? Okay. All right. You're going to vote for Joe Jorgensen? You go vote for Joe Jorgensen and, you know, go with God. Man, and I just lost my entire train of thought right there. Okay, Roger, remind me again where I was supposed to go with that. Well, we <laughs> went off on a libertarian rant. What the no, hell? It's, it's actually, I don't know where you're going to go with it. I actually started going down with this road and then I, I pulled back the, the Afghan withdrawal. You know, oh, okay. what are y'all, what's y'all's thoughts well, on that? I had a, geez, I had a whole different uh, train of thought, and I'm just—I should have written it down. I got a pen and paper and my big chief tablet right here, and I didn't write down where I was going to go. I got on that libertarian train and just, wow. Okay, so the Afghan withdrawal. You know, the three of us have some very, you know, uh, personal uh, connections with Afghanistan, being in Afghanistan, uh, witnessing the, you know, September 11th attacks and things like that, but. The three of us also, along with the rest of the American public, have had 20 years to kind of digest this and 20 years to kind of put it into perspective and 20 years of seeing uh, the bureaucracy in, in Washington, the DOD, completely screw this thing up six ways from Sunday. The way I see it personally, and Roger and Josh may uh, differ with me on this, is when I was there somewhat early on, uh, 2004, wait, 2003, 2004, five, that's when we should have pulled out because things were going relatively well, uh, back then when I was there, based on what I saw completely pulled out and left nothing there. I'm not saying that, but just starting to, we should have started to back off way back then. That was a long time ago. 2004, five was a long time ago. Things wouldn't be any different if we pulled out in 2005 than if we pulled out when we pull out in 2021, which we're not going to, by the way. Spoiler alert. We're not going to. That place, if you study history, it's just, it, it's not a winnable thing. Um, I don't understand why we're there from a, a geopolitical standpoint. I understand why we went into I, Iraq 
while we had Afghanistan on the other end to try to squeeze Iran, that didn't work out for us because we, we wussied out. We need to pull out. It's long past the time to pull out. We need to build a memorial to all the troops that have served there uh, and died there and were wounded there. Um, it's just, it's time to go. I don't, I, and here's what's going to happen. Uh, is the Taliban going to come in and cause problems? Of course they are. Of course they are. Um, and if it's not the Taliban, a thousand years from now, it'll be some other group that's there causing problems and killing their own people. It's just, I'm sorry, man. I, I feel a deep connection to Afghanistan, but there's nothing we can do there. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Josh has got, you know, maybe he can elucidate some more uh, cogent points, but that's how I feel about it. I mean, you know. No, I'm with you. You know, from we all we all you know lived through 9/11. We all saw ODA 595. You know, the horse soldiers go into Afghanistan, link up with the Northern Alliance and uh, and agency folks, and you know take the take the fight to to the Taliban and we toppled the Taliban what, in less than 90 days right around 90, right around the 90 day mark maybe you know and we almost we almost had bin Laden at Tora Bora during Operation Anaconda the, the command and control uh, got screwed up because they allowed the conventional military to come in and, and, you know, put their hands in the cookie jar. And if there was ever, ever a tailor-made, unconventional warfare fight, it was Afghanistan. We literally have forces that are chartered. Their specific charter is to do that very thing. And yet we allowed the conventional military to go in and screw it all up. Um, we should have left Afghanistan we should have left Afghanistan after Tora Bora. It'd be like, all right, we've killed a lot of people so far already, right? I mean, we've killed a lot of people already. Should have left. And then let's say we, you know, we obviously stayed after that. We had another opportunity to leave in May of what was it, 2011, when we killed bin Laden. At that point, like, we have truly achieved what we came to do, which was dismantle al-Qaeda and, you know, deny them the operational space and time to plan another 9-11 style attack, you know, keep them from where they could not reach out and touch the homeland. Why we didn't leave? Well, I know why we didn't leave because it's all politics at that point. But anybody who is, you know, cares enough, pick up the history of Afghanistan. They're, you know, Afghanistan is truly the graveyard of empires. Genghis Khan couldn't conquer it. Alexander the Great couldn't conquer it. The, rest, the Soviets couldn't do it. And the Soviets even told us when we were going in, the Soviets were like, do not do this. Like, you guys are out of your, you guys are out of your gourd if you stay there, you know, too long. And what did we do? We took what was supposed to be the Soviets' Vietnam that we tried to, you know, we tried to make it their Vietnam. And here we are 20 years later, we're still there, and I'm on board with you, Luke. We ain't leaving. We ain't leaving on September 11th of this year. That's not going to happen. It's not going to be, you know, the last American walking across Friendship Bridge, you know, on that date. It's not going to happen. We're going to find a reason to stay. The Taliban are pissed because we've already violated the accords that they signed in Qatar. They're Qatar, whatever you want to call it. I don't give a fuck. 
<laughs> We've already violated those. The Taliban's are they're gonna ramp up attacks. Summer's coming, man. Summer's coming. Everybody knows Haji Haji likes to get his jihad on when it gets hot. He got shit else to do. He's hot, he's angry. And it's gonna be like, oh, there's a big spike in attacks. We just can't leave our Taliban partner. Yeah, our Taliban partner, our Afghan partners, half of them Taliban anyway. And it's just gonna be <laughs> what it is, you know? Well and you're right. You know, Blinken already said. Uh, it, it, it kind of went under the radar there, but I did see uh, where Blinken said pulling out of Afghanistan is not a good idea. And you guys, everyone in the audience knows, if you've been listening to the past few episodes, you know how I think Blinken runs foreign policy. And when I read that he put out that statement about, I don't think it's a good idea to leave Afghanistan right now, I was like, that's it. We're not leaving. Because that dude runs foreign policy. So whatever. Yep. I, I don't know. I don't know. Roger, no. Roger thinks we should stay in Afghanistan forever. <laughs> no, I think my, my problem with Afghanistan and, and Josh hit on the head is the objectives. What are the objectives now? And the objectives keep changing. And so I have no problem with uh, long-term force projection. You know, we've, we've been doing this, you know, through Europe uh, for several years. And it's, uh, you know, understand there are strategic reasons why you stay in certain places or what have you. But the objectives in Afghanistan just continued to change. And, and Josh, you said, uh, you know, a pretty good point talking about it became politics. And I'll steal this from, uh, I think it was Fox news today when they said that, you know, over essentially the last two decades, foreign policy and military operations has revolved around the election cycle. And that's part of the problem there. You know, you're not doing what's actually in the interest of national security. And this has nothing to do whether you believe that we, you know, withdraw or stay there or whatever. I mean, I think you can make, you know, you make arguments for both. Uh, you look at what happened in Iraq when withdraw or withdrew, and then, you know, you're back in there. So how do you leave Afghanistan? You know, should we be there? Probably not. How do you leave it so you don't come back? Um, you know, at this point, there might not be a right answer because you'd already passed two major milestones where you probably could have withdrawn uh, and set the stage that you don't come back. You know, so I, I don't know exactly how that looks, but the, you know, the problem for me is the objectives just keep changing. I don't know. And, and I know even myself, you know, I did several tours. So, you know, when you get down to like my last tour and I remember having conversations over there with some of our interpreters and some other folks, there was definitely a difference between my first tour and my last tour where the first tour, I knew why I was here. I knew what we were doing. Got to the last tour, one, the operating environment had completely changed, uh, and it had changed so much that I'm like, I actually don't even know what we're doing here. I mean, I know what I'm doing, right, and I know what my job is here, but, you know, collectively what we're doing, uh, it's like, man, I don't even know what the objective is anymore. And I'm not sure that any of them know what the objectives are anymore as far as your senior leaders. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had the ability to pull out. We've had the ability to withdraw. I am, uh, you know, like you guys were saying with, you know, you had me at Alexander the Great, man. I mean, you know, when you get there and you get to what was it, Team B uh, with, with the Soviet Union, it's like, hey, you've got to be very, very careful uh, with what you set your objectives, at, you know, here in Afghanistan, and they need to be short-term, hit them and get out. Dude, and Alexander the Great, dude, he even went above and beyond and married an Afghan woman. Right. To try to get shit straight yeah. there. Mm-mm-mm. We went That's in something I'm not we, willing to do. That's something Joe yeah. Biden's not willing to do. <laughs> and I think our, you guys our, saw it, right? I mean, when you got to Afghanistan, I mean, here was my thing that I noticed a difference between Afghanistan and everywhere else in the world that I'd been. There is nothing in Afghanistan. There is, you know, you talk about who needs infrastructure spending. 
you know, they need fucking, you know, infrastructure because there is nothing there. And, you know, when you look at Haiti, when you look at Korea, when you look at throughout Europe and all, you know, and all these other places, uh, it's like, man, there is like nothing here. The clock stopped in Afghanistan in the 10th century and it never restarted. You know, no, I, mean, you, I don't think you, people you realize look, that. It literally, Afghanistan is like walking through the Bible. It truly is. It is like walking through the Bible. And people don't understand that. And the people who don't understand that mostly is the United States government because you come in, it's like, oh man, we're going to build schools. We're going to dig wells. We're going to make your life better. We're going to have a strong central government in Kabul. That's why it's like, Dude, there are people in Afghanistan who have never left the valley they were born and grew up in. They don't give a shit about a strong central government in Kabul. You know what the government <laughs> is in Afghanistan? It's a Kalashnikov. That's the government in Afghanistan. That settles the problem. That settles people's problems. And pe- we, we did not understand that, but yet we continue to try and force that square peg through the round hole because we just didn't understand you know, we didn't understand. We didn't understand the operating environment to begin with. It, we thought that we were going to be able to go in there, you know, hand out some rice and flip flops and kill our way out. It's there's always going to be the Taliban. There's always going to be Haqqani. There's always going to be, you know, there now there's ISIS K in Afghanistan. There's, you know, there's always going to be name your favorite, you know, terrorist organization that's over there running shit, blowing shit up and killing people. It is always going to be that way. There is a way to manage that. What you do is you get yep. everybody out of there and then you leave in the region, not in Afghanistan. And we yep. have in the region, you leave small packages more than likely, they're going to be some, you know, f- pick your flavor of special operations. And they are going to be the ones that continue and to deny the operational time and space for, you know, again, insert your favorite terror group to, you know, project and, and be able to target, you know, our allies in Europe or the homeland. Other than that, guess what, Afghanistan? We can't even bomb you. We can't even bomb you to the Stone Age. <laughs> It'd be You're an not a, you, like, you be, stop it. It would be an upgrade. <laughs> Yeah, they like, hey, thanks for that so, infrastructure package. Yeah, exactly. So look, and so here it's he, just it's here's, shit. It's stupid. Here's what Joe. Here's what the average American thinks, and this is how it will be sold to the average American. It's been sold this way for the past twenty years. If you've been paying attention, it's like if we pull out of Afghanistan, you know, they can plan another nine eleven. Let me tell you what I think about nine eleven and how that came about. And we'll, we'll bring it all the way back to Afghanistan. 9-11 was a totality of unforeseen circumstances. They got us. That was the ultimate unconventional warfare on behalf, you know, that Al-Qaeda executed. We were not expecting that at all. That You know, uh, hijacking planes back then, I'm going to let you behind the curtain a little bit on this. Back then, the TTP was, if you're a military person or whatever, or what, what we were taught is if you're on a hijacked airplane, you do nothing. Because it, we did, it, that was not the TTP. They're going to hijack the airplane. They're going to make a demand to release, you know, Palestinians or whoever from wherever. And eventually, you know, most of the people on the plane are going to be let go. They knew where the weaknesses were. They exploited them. They ran the, well, I'm not even going to say they ran the operation from Afghanistan. I'm going to say that there were elements in Afghanistan that were involved in the planning, but they were all over the place. 
So what I'm saying is if we pull out of Afghanistan, now we know it's possible for people to hijack airplanes and, and, and uh, you know, fly them into buildings. That's why we have the TSA and the Department of Homeland Security now. There ain't going to be no 9-11 style attack planned from Afghanistan from, you know, if we pull out for the next 100 years. Just, it just ain't going to happen. Because you know what? Now we know. It's like Josh said, you leave an element. It's going to be it's going to be the Rangers. Uh, you leave an element on uh, uh, maybe even in Kabul. You know, all you need is about a company <laughs> to take care of take care of problems, take out the trash. But look, man. Yeah, I, I just don't buy the 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 uh, argument of if we pull out of Afghanistan, there's going to be another 9-11 plan from there. The next 9-11 or whatever it's going to be is being planned in Mozambique, Chad, Niger, places that you don't even know how to find on a map just like you did in Afghanistan on September 11, 2000. They're being planned from some other place that, that's, a, that's an operating environment that we're not in and we can't control. So whatever. Let's get out of Afghanistan, man. F it. F it. F it. F it, Roger. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. So we got time to go around the horn one, one last time here. Um, we didn't even get to the rest of, of Biden's like, you know, hundred day thing or whatever. Some of my last thing here, I'm gonna run down real quick. Uh, again, back to the NPR thing, uh, environment. So positive, or I say positive green check mark organized climate world. Somebody did make us national leader in climate change. It's complicated, which means he didn't, uh, racial equity, not equality, equity, extend voting rights act. Uh, nope. Institute National Police Oversight Mission? Nope. Push Congress to pass Safe Justice Act? Nope. Immigration? We already know what, you know, what road we're going down here. Introduce legislation for pathway uh, for citizenship? Done. But through executive order, actually not legislation because uh, it won't pass. Uh, make DACA permanent? Nope. Stop family separation at U.S.-Mexican border? They say it's complicated. We're actually continuing to separate families at the Mexican border. Uh, which wasn't right under Trump either, you know, or whatever. I mean, if you believe that or not, it's a, really nothing's changed there. Established task force to reunite children and parents separated at the border. Uh, done. But that's kind of weird because it's like, well, you're separating them and then you're going to create a task force to bring together or reunite the family that you separated at the border. Makes sense. Um and Trump executive order banning travelers from some Muslim majority countries. That's done, but we did, in, or he enacted an executive order banning travelers from some Hindu majority country. Uh, so I guess we just changed the, the religion out there. Stop migrant protection protocols and asylum metering policy. Nope. Defund continued border wall construction. So it's funny because it says it's complicated because he did stop it. And then they turn around and say, yeah, we might actually have to finish his border wall after all. Uh, increased government supervision over U.S. border and immigration agencies. Yes. So what does that mean? Increased government supervision. That he increased government supervision by uh, sending Kamala down there. Oh, that's right. She didn't go down there. He just made her the border czar. And now she's like the racial equity czar or something like that, right? Didn't he say that during his little thing or whatever? So I guess she's done with the other piece with the border so she can move on to, to other tasks. Um, two more, and then I'll kick it to you, Josh. 
foreign policy, pledged to pick up the pieces of Donald Trump's broken foreign policy, not done, uh, international summit. I think the international summit actually was just done the other day because I, I only caught a snippet of it, but they had all the world leaders, and Biden was the only one there on a Zoom call wearing his mask uh, as he's sitting in the room by himself. So that's... Uh, that's the majority of it. I've got like 10 or 15 others here we don't have time to go for, but that's that's my closeout, Josh. What say you? I got a question. So like the, you know, the Hindu, the Hindu hate thing that the administration is perpetrating now. And that Asian hate? It is, I was just going to say that it is because when Kamala became vice president, she became the first Asian vice president, right? I mean, that's what they said. So it's Asian hate man, protect me. See? You guys, I, I was gonna say, are do you feel in? Do you feel safe right now? Are you feeling you know? Do you feel I'm like on to danger. You. I, not me, man. I'm not the administration that's banning travel from your continent. I there's Asian hate right there. I, <laughs> dude. Well, it's the subcontinent, so your subcontinent, whatever. It's Asia. It's Asia. I'm just saying. If we, you know what, if if the Department of Defense was to fight a war in India, you would get the Southeast Asia Campaign Medal. I'm just saying. Ooh. Look at so that, man. I'm what? just throwing it out there. What else? Um, yeah, so that was, uh, that was all I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> okay. That's all, that's all Josh has got. So... <laughs> So, folks, we're uh, you know, if you if you follow uh, the Luxer on Facebook, I, I'm I'm out. My time is short for Facebook. I'm I'm not going to give them my money much longer. But we're getting pretty excited at uh, at the cup over here. We're we're talking about putting together a website where we're going to have uh, some 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 good stuff going on there. And we're hoping that you know we can make it somewhat of a news aggregator, so you'll kind of have an idea of what kind of news uh, sources we look at. We m- might put our own thoughts on there. We're going to have our podcast on there, and we're hoping we'll put it. You'll put it in your favorites bar on Google, and uh, visit that every 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 day. Hopefully, uh, so so stay tuned for that. We'll talk we'll talk more about it as the time comes. Um, you know th- this episode. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go over. I don't even know what the cover art's going to be. Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. I'll give. I'll give some. <laughs> I give some shout outs real quick. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Brent. You know, Brent. He he don't feel the love all the time. Brent in Lubbock, Texas, bro. I'm moving back there. I'll see you soon enough. Uh, Graham and John, thanks for listening. And Graham is even looking up uh, the history of uh, the 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 Culper Group there, Josh. So. You had, you know, the the name that you kind of came up with there. She's she's doing some research and she's uh, feeling her patriotic roots. Uh, Jed, thanks for listening. Adriana and Matea, you know, I really didn't know that you two listened. Uh, two of our Slovenian fans, and we appreciate y'all listening. I hope we hope you keep listening. Uh, keep posting your pictures on the on the Facebook page, and uh, appreciate you listening. And Carlton Zeus, as always, thanks for that intro music, brother. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For those of you who are going to hang around and uh, see our freemium content. That'll start shortly. For those of you on the podcast, keep your canteen cups tightly secured.